I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Wednesday, February 2nd, Groundhog Day, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes, all in less than seven minutes, Brett. That is true. All in less than seven minutes, although occasionally we're going over a bit now. Uh, Look, today, as we're recording it, it is uh, Chinese Lunar New Year. And so, Sunning Fidel, Xinan Kwila to anyone listening. And did you have any plans, any big plans for the year? I like doing this podcast. I'd like to continue doing it if you'll let me. Okay, well, that's 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 not, that's not as aspirational as I would have hoped. But, I, set, you know, I set the bar very low. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully we can make that happen. I also enjoyed doing the podcast with you. Yeah, no, look, you're the tiger. I made a couple mistakes this year, though, which is one, I should have, I forgot to clean my place. You're supposed to clean your place ahead of the new year, not to sweep away the good luck. And uh-huh. so I, I, I didn't do it yesterday. I'm going to do it today. And so there goes my luck. And so maybe it'll just be a bad year for me. I don't know. But there's all these superstitions in Chinese New Year that I don't really follow. But I do like to keep them in mind when it's happening. Just in case if I do do like if I do follow them, I feel good about myself. Well, now that I know, I didn't clean either. So maybe I should do that along with you. But I don't want to sweep out the good luck. So I will think along hard after this recording to see what I should do. And I guess my other question connected to that is it's also Groundhog Day, like you mentioned. So, well, we're in Ontario. I think everybody's got their own version of Groundhog Day. But in Ontario, Wyerton Willie rules the day. I've been to Wyerton. Oh, yeah. And how was it? Uh, cool. We There is a beach there. We swam. I've, there also a, been, I've also been there. It's near... What's it near? It's near... It's like, no, uh, north of Owen Sound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, so do you think the groundhog will see its shadow? Does that mean winter's going to be over? Because it's supposed to dump snow. I always lose track. I always lose track of that. Okay, so I think let's just let's make let's simplify this. Is it going to be an early spring or a prolonged winter? I I'm a pessimist. I think it's going to be a prolonged winter. What do you think? I, I probably think so too because it's been up until like February. It's been a pretty warm winter, and so I feel like it'll be. I feel like it'll be a prolonged winter, but that's okay. There's there's you know there's we're only you know, like I said, March is a transitory month. And so we are we are approaching March, and so I think it's looking good. Well, I'll, I'll follow your lead. Brett, aside from Wyerton Willie, the Year of the Tiger, what else do we have for Peep Pals today? For our first story, Funding Frenzy. For our second story, Wordle. And for our third story, Tariff Takeoff. For our first story, talk about a strong start to the Year of the Tiger. Three Canadian tech companies have announced a combined $511 million in funding yesterday. Some that amounts to around a fifth of what Canadian companies raised in all of Q1 2021, Brett. That's a ton of money. Who raised what and for what? Okay, so the three companies were Toronto-based League & Coho and Montreal-based Renault Run, and they all closed rounds of new funding to grow their businesses. Now, investment giant Tiger Global led a $181 million Series B round for Renault Run, which has built an e-commerce platform for construction and building materials. Fintech startup Coho raised $210 million Series D round to expand its offerings of banking alternatives to Canadians, and Digital Platform League raised $95 million in a Series C round to continue offering flexible healthcare spending accounts to companies and their employees. Now, to give you some more background on this, Tiger Global actually finalized their Series B round in Renault Ren last fall, but the funding rounds of Coho and League arrive amid talks of U.S. Federal Reserve and the Bank of Canada raising interest rates to curb inflation, which has triggered a sharp sell-off of tech stocks this year. Let's break that down a little bit further, Brett. Higher interest rates tend to make high growth stocks like big tech companies less attractive to investors. So far, the sell-off has gripped American and Canadian markets alike. And a good example of this in the public markets is e-commerce giant Shopify, which shed over 50% of its value from its peak and lost its title as the country's biggest publicly traded company by market cap last month. That, by the way, I think went back to RBC. And Jay, that takes us to why these funding rounds actually do matter. 
It certainly does. So according to John Ruffalo, who is not related to the Hulk, but he's the managing partner of the tech-focused Mavericks Private Equity, last month's sell-off in publicly traded tech companies will spread to private markets and could harm the valuations of companies that have relied on venture capital and growth capital to fuel their expansion like the aforementioned companies. On the other hand, some say that the sell-off won't have a lasting impact on private valuations, but for now, private technology companies in Canada seem to be doing just fine. For our second story, the internet is divided again. Only this time, it's surrounding the New York Times' decision to buy Wordle, the new and wildly popular online puzzle game that has captured the hearts and minds of users around the world. Jay, what the hell's a Wordle? Well, it's a what and a who, which I'll tell you about. So the background is that software engineer Josh Wordle, seriously, that's his name, created Wordle for his partner. And like, that is the most romantic gesture in the world. And they released it to the public on October of 2021. Every day, there's a different five-letter word that players need to guess, and each player has six attempts to get it, and you reveal letters, and they're either the right letter in the wrong place, the right letter in the right place, or the wrong letter altogether. It's very, it's a very good game, Brett. Jay, you play Wordle a lot. What's your normal, like, how uh, far do you go down? Oh, like, I, so I, in my stats, I'm like, num- the fourth one down is where I get the most solves, yeah. which I think is pretty good. Like, I see people post their Wordle scores on Twitter, I'm like, you didn't get it. Like, it's light. Like, <laughs> like no, don't shame people for their Wordle scores. Oh, I am shaming today. people. What a, what a brag. Yeah, no, uh, it's actually very hard. I, some days I'm just like, what is the word? I have no idea. But anyways, a, a few months later, after Josh Wordle created Wordle, oh my goodness, <laughs> millions of people now play the game every single day, including myself and Jay, and the New York Times has taken notice. When the New York Times bought Wordle for low seven figures on Monday, it was a strategic add to the publisher's portfolio of word games including Spelling Bee and Crossword. Now, for all the Wordle fans, in announcing the deal, the New York Times said the game will initially remain free for new and existing users, but obviously there are questions whether their intention in the long term may change and you might have to end up paying for Wordle. I hope not, but more importantly, I hope my scores and stats transfer over, Brett, because that is really important. (laughs) I have a lot of social capital wrapped up in in, in my scores there, but what is the takeaway from the New York Times Wordle acquisition? I'll tell you how much Wordle is part of Jay's identity. I didn't even know they kept record. I had no idea. I thought it was just every single game was just one game and nothing. There was no record tracked. And so anyways, good for you, Jay. Well, I hope it does transfer over for your sake. And the bigger picture here is that games are also key to the New York Times' subscription strategy. They help gain new subscribers and keep its current ones engaged on the publishers, apps, and websites. Around a third of the New York Times' new digital subscribers during the most recent quarter came from its digital exclusive games, cooking, and product review sites like Wirecutter. This is a stat that speaks to how popular games and other digital offerings are to the New York Times' subscribers and to the publisher's bottom line. And it's the second time we've talked about something that New York Times has acquired within the past couple of weeks because we talked about The Athletic a few weeks ago, and they are acquiring lots and lots of net new subscribers, so it's something to watch. For our last story, the U.S. plans to reduce tariffs on most Canadian softwood lumber producers and a move that might offer some relief to the lumber dispute between Canada and the U.S. That, Brett, it's been dragging on, like I think longer than you've been alive. Talk about holding a grudge. Brett, it sounds like the Year of the Tiger could be good for our lumber producers in addition to some of our tech companies. What's going on? Well, I guess it depends how you look at it. And by the way, I do remember when I was a kid hearing about this. Like, that's how long it's been going on for you. are right about that. Now, here's the backstory. The heart of the dispute lies in how the U.S. and Canada define subsidization. 
The U.S. views Canada's stumpage rates, which is a government-set price that companies pay landowners to chop down trees, as government subsidization, a view that Canada obviously disagrees with. And as a result, the U.S. Department of Commerce charges Canadian lumber producers countervailing and dumping duties, claiming that Canadian companies sell lumber for more than what it costs to actually produce it. And this obviously favors the U.S. lumber companies selling wood into Canada. Now, the 2006 Softwood Lumber Agreement sought to settle the issue once and for all, but the U.S. reverted back to imposing tariffs on Canadian lumber soon after the agreement expired in 2015. And now for what happened most recently. Yesterday, the Department of Commerce announced plans to decrease tariffs on most Canadian lumber products from 17.9% to 11.6% in the fall, but to increase tariffs on imports from Canada's biggest lumber company, Vancouver-based Fraser West. So a bit of a, a mixed bag. While the reduction in tariffs could be seen as a step in the right direction, Canada's international trade minister, Mary Ng, sees the move as the U.S. Department of Commerce's indication that the U.S. doesn't plan on letting up on the tariffs, which she says may hurt Americans as higher softwood lumber prices could be reflected in higher home prices. Yeah, so Jay, why are the tariffs such a big deal for Canada? Well, aside from the fact that it's been a dispute for decades or generations, the tariffs could put a dent in Canada's softwood lumber industry, which generated over $25 billion in GDP in 2020 and relies heavily on the U.S. for trading. Last December, Canada said it would challenge the tariffs under the Canadian-Mexico-U.S. agreement. However, according to CIBC World Markets analyst Hamir Patel, the lumber trade dispute could be low on the priority list for the Canadian government and the Biden administration to patch up because it's currently not leading to any job losses here in Canada. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. As always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And actually, as you read that last statement, I'm going to start tomorrow's Wordle with daily. It's a pretty good one. Well, okay. Well, this is we're going to end off the episode with a quick tip. I believe the best possible word to use at the start is irate. But anyway. Oh, because I start generally with spark no No? irate because it has an s and an r and an a okay irate tomorrow's wordle i will start and i'll I'll report back tomorrow for uh, what thursday's pod how it how it worked have a good day brett